It was 1947. At the age of 30, Kurt Gregorian bought the Los Angeles Air Service for $60,000. He loved airplanes. During World War II, he served at the Britain's Royal Air Force and flew suicide missions across the Atlantic Ocean. He later changed the name of his company to Chance International Airlines and took the company to public. In 1968, he sold it to Chance America Corporation for $104 million worth of stock. From $60,000 to $104 million, this eighth grade dropout was definitely a successful entrepreneur. But my podcast is not about airplanes. After he returned from his service, he started to invest in a small town called Las Vegas. No hotels in Las Vegas today was named after him, but he was one of the most influenced people in Las Vegas history and the entire gaming industry. He was known as the greatest dealmaker in Las Vegas, the father of mega casinos. Welcome back to Creative Talks Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Mingja, like Ninja but with an M. This is another solo episode. This is part two of the Las Vegas Development History Series, only available at the Creative Talks. And before we go into today's episode, I have a great news to share with all of my listeners. We have officially achieved. 1,000 downloads for this podcast. Yay! It's a mini milestone, but hey, 1,000 is better than zero, right? So thank you so much for all of your support, all of the positive reviews and comments. I cannot say enough thank you to everybody. And make sure you listen till the end because I'm going to give a shout out to one of the listeners who wrote a review on Apple Podcast. If you haven't followed Creative Media on Instagram and LinkedIn, make sure to follow us. We post videos and graphics all the time on social media, and feel free to join our audience LinkedIn group, so you'll be able to connect with other listeners of this podcast on LinkedIn. All of the links are in the show note description, so make sure to check out the show note. And please keep posting this podcast on LinkedIn and spread the words. Tell your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues to subscribe. This is so exciting, and I look forward to the next milestone, which is ten thousand downloads. Yes, we can do it. And let's get started for today's. Part two of the Las Vegas Strip series. In the previous episode of this series, I have talked about the legendary developer named Jay Sarno. He was the developer behind Caesar's Palace and the first phase of the Circus Circus development. And if you recall from that episode, I mentioned a businessman named Kurt Gregorian who was involved in the land deal of building the Caesar's Palace. Kurt Kocorian was definitely one of the most influenced people in Las Vegas history. He was probably the most private and shy casino owners in Las Vegas. He drove unflashy cars. He didn't want his name to be appear on buildings nor street signs. He never defaulted on a loan, and his handshake was the binding contract. 
So let's talk about his early lives before we get into his Las Vegas stories. Kirk Akorian was born in 1917 in California, a child of Armenian immigrants. In an interview he did with the Las Vegas Review Journal, he said, "When you are a self-made man, you start very early in life. In my case, it was at nine years old when I started bringing income into the family. You get a drive that is little different, maybe a little stronger than somebody who inherited." He was the youngest of the four children. He spoke Armenian at home and learned English on the streets. He was helping his father as a watermelon dealer at the city's produce market, and he spent too much outside of school. So eventually, he decided to drop out of school. After he dropped out in eighth grade, he became a boxer, and he was a pretty good boxer. He had a record of thirty-three wins and four losses. But soon, Kokorian found another activity that he enjoyed even more than boxing. He became a pilot. He joined the Britain's Royal Air Force and flying bombers from Canada to Scotland during World War II. The trip was twenty-two hundred miles long, and one in four pilots crashed. In his two and a half years of services, and after two near crashed, he delivered thirty-three planes. In 1945, he completed his service, saved most of his generous salary of $1,000 per trip, and started to invest in airplanes. Back in Los Angeles, he bought a single-engine plane for $5,000 and started to offer flights between Los Angeles and Las Vegas, Nevada. He fell in love with this gambling city. He was a frequent visitor of Las Vegas and a very calm gambler. You can never tell from his face whether he won or he lost money that day. And then Kerkorian started to invest in Las Vegas. He bought this 80 acres piece of land across the street from the Flamingo Hotel for $960,000 in 1962. The Forbes magazine called this deal one of the most successful land deals in Las Vegas history. Kerkorian leased the land to a developer named Jay Sarno for four million dollars. Meanwhile, he paid five million dollars to acquire 65 acres of land on Paradise Road, about a half mile east of the Strip. Jay Sarno opened the Caesar's Palace in 1966, and it was a huge success. At the time, the Caesar's Palace was the most expensive and luxurious hotel in Las Vegas history. And he definitely made more than enough money to buy the land from Kerkorian. After a few successful land deals and seeing the successful opening of the Caesar's Palace, Kerkorian wanted to enter the casino business himself. He was already a frequent gambler in Las Vegas, so why not build a casino himself and become the house? As people always say, the house always wins. By 1967, Las Vegas was drawing 14 million visitors a year, and Kerkorian believed Las Vegas would continue to need more hotels. And this is something Las Vegas hotel developers always believed in: Las Vegas always need more hotels and casinos. So remember the 65 acres of land he purchased off the Strip. 
he planned to build a thirty-story hotel called the International, with fifteen hundred twelve rooms. With planning for the hotel underway, Kokorian purchased the Formingo Hotel to serve as a training ground for the international staff. Later, during the international's construction, Kokorian formed a publicly traded company, International Leisure, to own the two casinos. Construction cost was sixty million dollars in nineteen sixty nine, which is equivalent to about four hundred twenty three million dollars in today's value. Kokorian received approval from the SEC to sell shares of stock in his publicly traded company to help finance the construction. Some believed it was very risky to build such a large property away from the strip, but Kokorian believed it would spark the development of a second strip along the Paradise Road. When it opened on July first, nineteen sixty-nine, the thirty-story International Hotel was the largest hotel in the world. It had one thousand slot machines in the thirty thousand square foot casino space. To match with the name of the hotel, International, the restaurants had specialized cuisines such as Chinese, Japanese, Italian, Mexican, and German. The Las Vegas Convention Center is right next to the International, which makes the International a popular hotel among convention visitors. The opening performer in the hotel's 2,400-seat showroom was Barbara Streisand, followed a few weeks later by Elvis Presley. His show in Las Vegas was a huge success—58 consecutive sold-out shows. No other hotel in Las Vegas was this big on entertainment. Presley became an icon of Las Vegas entertainment. And here is an interesting side story. There was another billionaire in Las Vegas named Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was opening the Landmark Casino just right across the street from the International. The Landmark Casino. Doesn't have a very interesting story, so I'm not going to dive in deeper. Basically, the original developer had financing issue, so the hotel stopped construction for eight years. And later, Howard Hughes came in and reopened the hotel with 525 rooms. Obviously, he was competing with Kokorian's International, and Howard Hughes opened the Landmark Hotel just one day before Kokorian opened the International. And now let's go back to the International story. The hotel was less luxurious and glamorous than the Caesar's Palace. As I mentioned earlier in previous episode of this series, every Las Vegas hotel reflects the personality and imagination of the developer that's behind it. Jay Sarno had a Caesar type of luxurious lifestyle. He loved being seen in public. On the other hand, Kakorian was down to earth, humble, and very private. He didn't do too much press presence in his lifetime. So, as you listen to his stories and some of the hotels that he built, you will notice the difference between his hotels versus other Las Vegas developers' hotels. And when he was building the International, he sold his house, plane, and yacht to build the hotel. He went all in. 
He had some expensive European loan to pay off, so he wanted to issue a second offering of the international leisure company stock to raise money. However, the SEC refused to allow him to do that because he didn't disclose financial information about the Formango Hotel's previous owner. Well, if you don't know about the story of the Formango Hotel, the previous owner before Kokorian took over was a mob, and I don't think mobs ever disclose their financials. One year after the International Hotel opened, to pay off his expensive European loan, Kokorian was forced to sell half of his company to Hilton Hotels, which took over the International and the Formango. In a 1969 interview with Fortune magazine, Kokorian explained his strategy. I don't try to get all the meat off the bone. When I get a good figure, I just move something. Too many people try to hit the pick price and they hold on until it's too late. The International Hotel later renamed to Las Vegas Hilton in 1971 after a few changes in ownership, remodeling, and expansion. The International Hotel became today's Westgate Hotel. So when you go visit Las Vegas next time for a convention, let's say the ICSC, you might walk past by the Westgate Hotel, and now you can share this hotel story to your friends. Besides aviation, gambling, and investing in stocks, Kokorian was also involved in the movie industry. Beginning in 1969, he has been buying stocks in a movie studio called Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, also known as the MGM Studio. By 1971, he became the majority owner of the MGM Studio. By using MGM's name, he planned to build his second hotel in Las Vegas called the MGM Grand. The MGM Grand broke ground in 1972 and opened in December 1973, which was the largest hotel in the world at the time. The construction cost was $107 million, which is equivalent to $648 million in today's value. And remarkably, the hotel opened 19 months after construction began, with over 1,000 workers finishing the building 210 days ahead of schedule. The MGM Grant's approximately 2 million square feet included nearly 2,100 guest rooms, 8 major restaurants, world's largest casino floor, a movie theater, and two showrooms that attracted some of the biggest names in the show business night after night, from Donner Summer to Dean Martin. Meanwhile, Las Vegas doubled its population from 273,000 in 1970 to 463,000 in 1980. The McCarran International Airport's passenger count also doubled from 4 million in 1970 to 10.5 million in 1979. Kokorian also opened a 1,015-room MGM Grand Casino in Reno, northern Nevada. But this podcast focused a lot on Las Vegas, so let's focus back to the Las Vegas story. On November 21st, 1980, a fire at the MGM Grand Las Vegas left 87 people dead and over 600 injured. The fire remains one of the worst hotel fires in U.S. history. 
An electrical ground default inside a wall in the Delhi restaurant on the casino floor. The restaurant was closed, so people didn't notice the fire until it expanded into the casino floor. Automated fire sprinklers were installed in some sections of the MGM Grand, but they were missing from the casino and the restaurant areas. Before this fire happened, the Clark County Building Department agreed to exempt MGM from installing sprinklers in places that were occupied 24 hours a day, reasoning that employees will quickly notice the fire and use a fire extinguisher to contain it. But when the hotel decided not to keep the Delhi restaurant open 24 hours, sprinklers were never added. The hotel was built at a cost of $106 million. Sprinklers that would have stopped the fire would have cost $192,000. More than 1,300 legal claims were filed, and the cost to settle all of the claims were $233 million. Investigated reports revealed 83 different building violations, design flaws, and installation errors at the MGM Grand. The hotel reopened eight months later. Within months of the fire, the state enacted new fire codes in casino hotels. In 1986, Kokorian sold the Las Vegas and Reno's MGM Grands to Bally Manufacturing Corporation for $594 million, which is equivalent to $1.4 billion today. And he was also able to retain the rights of the name MGM. Later, the Las Vegas MGM Grand renamed to Bally's. So when you go visit Las Vegas Strip, Today, the Bally's that you see was once named MGM Grand, and it was built by developer Kurt Kokorian. The MGM Grand that you see today on the Strip was Kokorian's third hotel, and he also used the same name, MGM. And guess what? Not surprisingly, it was the largest hotel in the world when it opened in 1993 with 5,000 rooms. And this will be a story for future episodes because there were so many things that happened between 1986 when he sold his second hotel to Bally's and 1993 when he opened his third hotel, which is today's MGM Grand. And I will f- talk about all of these stories in future episodes. So now let's go back to 1986 when he sold his second hotel to Bally. If you read some of the history books about Las Vegas, a lot of the authors called Kokorian a very successful deal maker, businessman, entrepreneur. But I don't see a lot of descriptions that described him as a visionary developer. Although he have built some of the largest hotels, well, the largest hotels in the world, three times, and I think it has to do with his. Personality, his background, and his imagination. He was super down to earth and super humble. And just like his hotels, they were built for middle class families. They were decent, but not spectacular and breathtaking, in my opinion. And if you are in the gaming industry, and I ask you who is the most visionary casino developer that you can think of right now in your head. I think 99% of the people who are in the industry will say the same name, 
And this person's name is so iconic that he had to put a signature of his name on the building and named his hotel after him. There was a battle and a lot of interesting stories between Kokorian and this developer that I'm going to talk about in my future episodes. So make sure you click the subscribe button and subscribe to this podcast and let your friends know about it. Help me to spread the word, please. If you're interested to learn more about Kokorian's stories and his personal life, feel free to check out the book called The Gambler. It takes a lot of time to write the script, so please share this podcast. And now let's do this week's shout out. This week's shout out goes to Go Red Foxes on Apple Podcast. And he also shared this podcast on LinkedIn and he gave me the permission to say his real name, which is Julian Hawker. Julian said, very different from your usual real estate podcast, love the very topics of discussion, all revolving around real estate, very informative and would recommend to all wanting to learn more about commercial real estate. Thank you so much, Julian. For those of you who would like to connect with Julian on LinkedIn, I'm going to put his LinkedIn profile link in the show notes below. So make sure to check it out. If you would like to receive a shout out in future episodes, make sure to either leave a review on Apple Podcast or if you want me to say your real name and tell people to follow you on LinkedIn, you can share this podcast on LinkedIn and use hashtag creative talks podcast as long as you use this hashtag i will be able to find you on linkedin and give you a shout out in future episodes if you haven't followed creative media on linkedin and instagram make sure to follow us all of the links will be in the show notes below we always post videos and graphics on social media and if you haven't joined our audience linkedin group Make sure to join the group so you will be able to connect with other listeners as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. More interesting stories about Las Vegas Strip development history only available at the Creative Talks podcast. We have officially achieved 1,000 downloads, so please go celebrate with us on social media. I cannot say enough thank you to all of the listeners and all of the guest speakers and everybody who have wrote a review and helped us to promote this podcast on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye!